0: Welcome back. This is the Axiom Youth Podcast. This lesson is being taught by Brother Jared Turner. He asked the question, why do people live for God? Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy. We You can be seated tonight. I, I do want to preach to you. I do have something... And I believe the Lord has laid it on my heart. I feel it very strongly, felt it very strongly today. Didn't think I would preach it tonight, but the Lord has really been dealing with me about it. And I was sitting there thinking, why do we serve the Lord? Why do we serve the Lord? Why do you make an effort? Why do I make an effort to serve God, to live for God? Why would anybody live for God? Why would anybody dedicate their life and be faithful to the house of God and be faithful to prayer and faithful to reading the Bible and faithful to a Christian life of holiness and separation? Why would anybody live for God? It's not because there's a hell and not because there's a heaven. Because there are plenty. there's plenty of evidence that that kind of motivation does not work. People know drugs will destroy their life, but they do it anyway. People know that smoking gives you cancer, but they do it anyway. People know that there's certain foods that are unhealthy, but we eat them anyway. There's that, that kind of fear of something in the future doesn't really work because we are here and now kind of people that's just what you are as a human being. So the fear of a punishment in the future is not enough to keep you in the house of God. It's not enough. It's not there's no that's not, why, that's not why any of us are here. It's because we are afraid of some sort of eternal punishment or because we're trying to gain some kind of eternal reward. That's just that's just the reality of things. We don't have the ability to see that far in the future. There's very few very few people that have that kind of trajectory where they can see and they can do things, but the most of us are just living for the next few moments in the next few days so why are you here why are you living for God why are you living for God it could be are you trying to achieve something great in your life there are a few of people that are high achievers and you can achieve something through the kingdom of God if you give your life to God you can achieve something but really I don't think anybody serves God very long just for to achieve Because anything that you do in the kingdom of God, if you really got the anointing and the power of God, you're going to do it for the glory of God. You're not going to do it for your own glory. Now, there are certainly people that do churchy type things for their own glory, but I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about people that stay faithful and that live for God. They don't do it just to achieve something, just to become a preacher or become a pastor, to become somebody that everybody respects and looks up to. That's not why they live for God. Why do you live for God? Why are you going to live for God? What is it going to take if you're going to make it? What does it take? Why do people dedicate so much of their life and so much of their time Time to dedicate it to the kingdom To the cause Why Why do people live for God Why do people live for God The answer to that question Is what I want to talk about tonight Why people live for God I'm talking about why people live for God Because there's so much out there And you can talk about sin And how horrible and terrible sin is And it is terrible But like I said Negative consequences Really don't motivate people that much Right, you, you rob a bank knowing that you're probably going to go to prison, but people do it anyway. Why do people? How do people end up in such horrible places by choices that they've made? Because the negative consequences are not enough to get you to line up. There's got to be something that's more powerful than punishment. Something that's more powerful than the fear of a negative outcome in your life. And say, well, I want to have a good family and I want to have this and I want to have that. So I'm going to dedicate my life to God because I know God can give me those things. And that is true. And in an intellectual level and on your, in your mind and in your heart that might be something that comes along the road and keeps you kind of grounded but it's not the initial thing it's not the thing that first draws you into the kingdom of God or first gets you connected to God it's just that kind of why because if that was the way we would all probably be a little healthier we would probably save a little more money we wouldn't blow it on Doritos at school with a kid that's selling it for $75 right, in seventh period and you're like alright I gotta have it right now Right, if we had a little more view for the future, we would save something or we would do something. So not everybody has that in them to kind of see further down the road. So it's something more powerful than just that kind of promise of a future. There's something else that grips you right here and right now. Why people live for God. In the book of Revelation, Jesus appears to the Apostle John and he begins to give messages to seven churches and I people have said, and I, I generally agree that those seven churches, while they are real churches, each lesson holds true for us. In some ways we can take the lessons that Jesus was giving and we can see how they can apply into our life. And so what I was looking at, Revelation chapter number two, is where we're going to be drawing our text from. And to the first one, the, the church of Ephesus, And we're not really going to talk about the actual church of Ephesus and where it was, although that's probably interesting history. But we're just going to quickly pull out the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach. And I want to show you the balance of why people live for God. And I really want to minister to you tonight because I think there's somebody out there that needs to get a hold of this in their life. There's somebody out there that needs to make up your mind to serve God. And if you're going to serve God, it's going to come down to one thing. It's not going to come down to the fact that you want a better life or you want success or you want this. It's going to come down to one thing that's going to draw you in. So Jesus says to the church, I know thy works. This is chapter 2, verse 2. And thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them. Which say they are apostles and they are not, and how has found them liars, and has borne and has patience for my namesake, has labored and has not fainted. So it's talking about a good church that has worked hard, that has done the work, and that has fought for the truth, and that has stayed faithful. Has stayed faithful. This is, this is all things that you could say that makes up a good church. It's, they've, they've been patient, born my namesake. We're not going to go through every last word. But verse 4 says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of this place, except thou repent. Now, it kind of seems like a rebuke, and seems like a harsh thing to say. Because you've done all of this and he listed all of the different things. And God says, now this is pretty important. When God commends you for something. God's putting a medal on them and saying, you have done a good job. You have done a good work. You have been faithful. You have lived a life of holiness and righteousness. And I'm going to put this medal on you. Congratulations. Well done. Nevertheless. I have somewhat against you. And here's, here's where you gotta understand. When God, it says it at the end of chapter three of this book, that when God corrects you, when God does something in order to get your attention, it's because he loves you. It's because he has a future for you. If he never used conviction on your life, it's because he knows you're not going to respond. So the only people that feel guilty are the people that God is working on. The only people that feel conviction or feel like they need to change something or hear a rebuke are the people that God is reaching for. So when you see a rebuke in Scripture, one that is, you've got to repent or else I will come unto you quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of its place. That I, there's, You're going to lose something if you do not repent. That, that, that way that God is approaching that is a concern for that group of people is a concern for that church. It's a concern. So when somebody comes into your life and says, hey, that's something you've got to change, that's a person that loves you. I promise that's a person that cares about you. Because it's hard to come and to correct somebody. It is, just speaking as a leader, I I'm am I'm a manager and as a youth pastor, it's it takes a little bit more concern to come to somebody and say, I've seen some behavior that needs to change than to just let somebody go on and reap the benefits of their decision making, which could be maybe getting fired from their job or, or in your case, even more grave and dire, to so make some decision that, Harms your life. So when God intervenes, it's because he loves you. And so God is intervening on behalf of this church. And he's stepping in. And he's teaching us a very powerful principle. Because this church had done things. They had stood for the truth. They had been faithful. They had been patient. But God said, if you don't get this one thing right, you are going to lose everything. You're not going to be able to live for me without this one thing. Without this thing that draws you in. Without this thing that pulls you close. You can try to do all the churchy stuff. And if you lose this one thing, it's over for you. It's not going to work. You're not going to be able to live for me without my love in your Life. That's the one thing. Is the love of God. Is what draws you in. It's where you first contact him. It's what keeps you going. It is the reward. That allows you to live for God. It is that instant right now gratification that allows you to keep making the decisions that are going to propel your life toward what God has for you. But if you lose sight of that initial touch of God. We sang about it tonight that your spirit lives within me. And it's that touch of God. It is that power of the Holy Ghost that you have felt that you've got to keep alive in your life or else all the faithfulness and all the patience and all the things that we're trying to get you to do, it's going to fall on deaf ears. We're never going to be able to teach you enough to conform your life to what God wants you to do and what God wants you to be. But the way that it's going to happen is if you come into contact with His power and with His love. If you keep that fresh in your life, I have somewhat against you because you have left that first thing that has come into your life that attracted you to me and you have become ritualized or has become stale or your relationship has grown cold or something has cut off that first love from your life uh, and you're not going to make it and God is not concerned with your love towards him because he is in need of nothing but he is concerned of his love towards you so that if you do not allow his love to operate in your life to influence or to touch or to bless your life he knows that it's not going to work out in your favor his love has to be operating in your life that means that when you go through something difficult you can feel a pity party and you can have all this sadness or this depression that comes on you but God is looking down and saying look I've got something for you and I can help you not just in the future and not just in eternity but I can help you right now Get through this situation. I can come down and touch your life right now if you would allow me to. I can work in your life today. But you've got to let it happen. You've got to open up your heart. You've got to let the love of God come into your life. You've got to yield yourself to the Spirit of God. Because if we who have lived for God are very honest, it was not our intellectual ability that drew us to the kingdom of God. It was not the fact that we reasoned it out and that we wrote all the reasons why God existed and it weighed Him against the reasons why He doesn't exist and we just made an intellectual assent to it. But the reason that we live the life that we do is because God lives loved us and because at some point he reached down and he got a hold of our heart and that thing that happened at an altar, that thing that may have happened at a conference, that thing that may have happened at an HYC, it did not die there but it was another experience and another experience and it was the daily consistent faithfulness of just putting yourself in an opportunity for God to love you for God to show his love towards you for God to come down and to fellowship with you that's what you have got to do if you're going to live for God if you're going to get rid of these just mountain peaks and valleys where you go to NAYC and you have a breakthrough but you come down and you shut out the love of God in your life and you fill yourself with the things of this world that ultimately just make you deeper into depression pornography helps no one television helps no one feel better entertainment does not it just none you, it does not help you feel any better. It just makes you just go into this altered state. But when you come out, you've still got your same problems and you've still got this same old heart uh, that is no different uh, and has no more knowledge or no more wisdom to handle the tough situation that you're in or to help you walk through the family situation. But when you allow the love of God to fill a room and to fill your heart, uh, things begin to change. uh, Your attitude, your outlook, uh, and God can heal what's going on deep inside of your heart and deep inside of your life as something that even faithfulness can't touch something that holiness even cannot touch because we are not righteous on our own that's not saying that those things aren't important but the way you live that kind of life and make it count for His glory is the motivation like I talked about last week has got to be that God loves me and I know that He loves me because I've let Him touch my life Because I've given him opportunity. Because I'm not skipping church. And when I come to church, I'm not checking out. And I take time to read my Bible. Not just to get a prize or not just to say, oh, I've done it. But I take time to get to know him. To see what he might say to me. I take time to pray and say, God, give me the strength that I need for today. Because I've got something that I am facing that I need you to help me with. And then the power of the Holy Ghost comes in. And that's how you live for God. That's how you live for God. Most people are just the faith that their parents were raised in. Why? Because it's just your culture and that's what you do. But that is not the story of many who are sitting here. Why? Because God's reaching for you. Because it's not a cultural thing. This is a powerful thing that God's reaching down and saying, Look, I can heal something that no one else can heal. I can touch something that nobody else can touch. And I have seen too many young people with good parents walk away from this thing. Why? Because it didn't become theirs. Because their parents had that kind of experience and that zeal and that first love. They said, I love God and I'm going to be a witness to Him. But then their kids I got some, I don't know what happened, but just got distracted. And they didn't let the love of God. And so then they woke up one day and said, hey, why am I following all of these rules? Well, they were faithful for a while, but why am I following all of these rules? Why am I really regulating what I watch and where I go and what I do? This is ridiculous. And they walk away. Because yeah, it does seem ridiculous. It does. If you're just thinking about it, you look at our life, you look at our church and say, how can people live like that? And the question is, the answer is, I don't know. Really, on an intellectual level, why people live the way that they do. Why do people sacrifice so much? Why do people give so much? Why do people give so much of their time and of their energy and of their life? The answer, not an intellectual answer. It's because of that love. That first love. I preach about it all the time. Because I can't get away from it. Because if I'm going to be honest with you. That's the only reason why I'm here. That's the only reason that I live for God at all. That's the only reason I have the family that I have. It's the only reason I have the blessing that I have in my life. Is because God loved me enough. That when I was down or when I was distracted or that he came in and I don't know that I did anything right except be open and available for God to convince me all over again that he was real. And that his mercy was sufficient for me and that his grace could reach down and touch my life. That's the only thing that I can take credit for in my life. Is there's just the fact that I was open. That's all I can say. Is I don't know that I ever did any kind of deep intellectual study. I just went to church. Like all my other friends. Sat on the same pew as them. Responded at the conferences just like they did. I don't know what went, wrong, went different in my life than theirs. But all I can say is that it was the love of God that I allowed to operate in my life. And I did not let getting the Holy Ghost at nine years old be the last time that I let the power of God move on me. I I didn't say, that's it, I've got it, and I'm going to put it on the shelf. But I kept coming, I kept asking, I kept seeking And I let God touch me, sometimes not even at church, sometimes in my room. And that's when God begins to work on you is when you have that kind of desire to say, God, work in my life, work in my heart. Fill me, God. Let me feel your love. Let me feel your encouragement. Let me feel. That spirit one more time. That's how you get over just going from camp to camp, or HYC to HYC, is you've got to get a hold of it for yourself. Because without that love, all the patience of and the fighting for the truth and all this stuff, it's just going to become your culture and you're going to walk away. You can have parents that make you come to church. You can have parents that try to force you to live for God. But until you get it, doesn't matter until you let the love of God work in your life. And I'm coming to a close if they could help me on the music because I really felt when they were singing and when I, I could just feel it that there's somebody here that needs to yield to what God wants to do in your life. There's somebody here that needs to surrender and let. God touch your life. There's somebody here that's holding on. And like I said before at the beginning of this service, and I meant it, that the only thing you have going for you is God. That is the most powerful force that's in your corner. There are people in this world that have other things going for them. That's not this group. That's not us. There are people that have incredible minds that are super Geniuses, And I'm looking at smart young people, but I don't know if I'm looking at an Einstein. There, are, we, are, we are relatively blessed as far as the world population and the things that we have and the material goods that we possess, but there's not any of us that are rich in here. There's not any of us that are rich enough that we don't have to worry about our future, that we don't have to worry about what our life's going to turn out to be. There's not anybody in here that knows enough people or has enough political connections that you're going to make it in some sort of highly successful way without God. God is the absolute best thing going for you. And some of you This is why it's so important for all of us when we come together not to be distracted because there could be some of us, because we don't know the details of each other's lives, but some of us could be here and God could literally be the only thing that's fighting for us. The only thing in our corner. Parents could have walked out. The money could literally be not there. There could be no food at home and we would never know. And literally the only thing. Or maybe you got everything material goods met but something in your heart is so dark and so deep that you can't talk about it to anybody. And the only thing fighting for you, the only person that knows, the only person reaching for you is God. We don't know. That could be somebody here And I would say that every person goes through that kind of moment. Where the only thing you have is to reach out for God. Because God knows that in those moments He can prove Himself. That He can reach down and He can touch you. And He can let you feel His love and His power and His anointing and His grace. And his mercy. And then you know. This is it. This is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been waiting on. So if we could stand tonight. I want you to close your eyes. I don't want anybody looking around. Because I just believe that there's somebody here that needs to respond to this. I believe there's somebody here that needs to respond to this tonight. So just lift your hands. Help me all across this place. Just, make this, just keep this time a sacred time because there could be somebody sitting next to you or it could be you that is such a place that the only thing that's going to work is the power and the love of God. And I beg you tonight with a heart that says please give God a chance. And not only am I begging you, but there's a Savior that created you and that knows every detail of your life. And he's knocking at your door tonight and saying, Will you please let me in? Will you please let me wrap my arms around you? Will you let me heal what's going on deep in your life? Come on, somebody needs to respond tonight. Somebody needs to respond tonight. This altar's open if you'd like to come forward. Take a step of faith and say, "You know what? God, I need you. I need you in my life." The Lord is my come on, young people, what you came with tonight. God's able to heal it. God's able to take care of it, but you've got to let him. You've got to let him. I beg you tonight. Respond. Respond to him. Respond to the voice that you hear right now. This has been an episode of Axiom Youth Student Ministries. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Thank you for tuning in.